0: your spirit and that the words that he speaks would be your words and that indeed those words would find a place in our hearts this day and we would be transformed and changed by you lord this day and so come holy spirit bless in and us in your name amen thank you, thank you Chris. i felt like god did such amazing stuff this morning if we could just play the first service mark that would be great I don't have to be up here. (laughs) Thanks, Chris. That's great, thank you so much. That's perfect, thanks, Chris. Yeah, that's great, thank you. Good morning, Church. That was really good. Good morning, beautiful people. Um, so yeah, I just wanted to, for the sake of you this morning, if you don't mind, I did honor Chris this morning for this huge opportunity and I do take it as a, as a weighty responsibility. I do feel a little bit rusty. It's been a while since I've preached two Sunday services in a row. Um, so being family, if you could extend some grace to me this morning, that would be much appreciated. And also just to thank you, Chris and Paula, for the man of God you are and for how you lead us and for this incredible opportunity and this privilege. Thank you so much. Um, amen. Um, so my topic for this morning is sonship, and, it, and it's, uh, it's, it's a, a very heartfelt message, so I am going to be a bit vulnerable with some of you this morning. Is that okay? Great. Um, I'm going to open my heart a little bit and share some quite tender moments in my walk with Nick's and trying to fall pregnant and, and adopting, and it's not great that the grandparents are, yeah? So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm just going to share a little bit about that, and then I'm going to share about... Um, what I really feel for God, God's heart for us this morning, and I, and I shared it in this first service, and I really feel it's for this service too, is that I really felt God wants to restore to us the joy of our salvation. And... and uh, I hope some of you still have those butterflies for your husbands and your wives, but it's those butterflies that you feel in your heart when you first met or on your wedding day or your first girlfriend or your first date to the movies. It's those butterflies that I feel like God wants to restore to our hearts this morning and that, that joy of our salvation. So, Mike, if we could have that first scripture up, it's Psalm fifty one. It was really, really relevant for me in preparing for this morning. If you don't mind, I'm just gonna read it out to you, is that okay? It says, Create to me a pure heart, God, O God. And renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence, or take your holy spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And it's so relevant for, for Nixon R uh, and, and our journey. Um, I don't know if any many of you in your life have had to contend for something. Um, I know some of us get our prayers answered very quickly, and God's ways are so much higher than our ways, uh, and he is so incredibly good. Um, some of us have, have had to contend for some stuff and, and, and still haven't seen the breakthrough. And so for us, that scripture was so prevalent. You know, God can give us a spirit of perseverance and a steadfast spirit willing to sustain us. But it's, for me, it's so pertinent that we don't lose that joy of our salvation, those butterfly feelings, knowing that Jesus Christ, the author and the perfecter of our faith, has a father in heaven who created the universe that is still expanding and that he loves us so much, irrespective of our current circumstances, the challenges of our lives or what we're facing or what we're going through or what we've been through or the cards that that life has dealt us. And so that scripture for me was was quite profound. Um, And I hope it speaks to your heart. And then so in this morning, in, in sharing about sonship, I hope the ladies in the house, if you could, again, if I could ask you for some grace this morning, Um, For my public school education and lack of a better word, I haven't found another word to mean both of us. It's sonship, but it means you too. It's daughtership. Um, I'm going to refer to it a lot, but it's for you too. It's very much a word for for all of us as a church. Um, So if I could ask for that grace, that would be great. And then could we just open up in some prayer? Would that be okay? Father, I just want to say thank you, God. You're so faithful and so good. Thank you for this church. Thank you for, for your house. Thank you that I can preach in my home, and there's no points preaching to the choir, but we just pray that your Holy Spirit come this morning, God, that you stir our hearts, that we would never be the same again, that you would restore to us the joy of our salvation, that you would release over each and every one of us a spirit of sonship, a spirit of daughtership, that we would know that we are sons and daughters of the Most High God, that we've been chosen and elected, that we are called your children and that we are overcomers because of what you've done on the cross for us, Jesus. So thank you for today. I pray you raise up our expectations in our hearts this morning that you begin to speak to us and stir our hearts, Lord, that we would never, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wonder if you could turn to a neighbor and just give them a high five and just say, there is no other day like today. It was way better than the first service. Well done. <laughs> way better. There's still half hours going. That's awesome. So I, I, just to share a little bit with you about our personal journey. Um, so I gave my life at a very young age at a youth group at, I, I believe it was an Anglican church actually, in um, Schlonger Rocks. Uh, and um, I think I was there for the wrong motives, to be completely honest with you. It was just a great place to go on a Friday night to see girls and hang out with friends. But God was super faithful to my my commitment to him. And I I did make a sincere conviction. I had a sincere conviction of heart and gave my life to God. And he held me through that, through my teenage years and living a very selfish existence. My mom gave her life in my late teens, I believe it was. And started to pray for me and pray for us. And I became a professional bodybuilder and traveled all over the world. Had a great career, great life, lots of friends all over the world. Lived a very selfish existence. Missed a couple of Christmases, sisters' birthdays, brothers' birthdays, 21st, 16th. And, uh, but living for myself and very much away from God in the, in the sense of being really hungry for God. I had a very uh, religious framework or paradigm for a relationship with God. Um, I believed you had to go to church every single Sunday. You had to have everything right. You couldn't make any mistakes. And it was almost like a, 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 a be good to do good to get good from God. It was that sort of relationship that God had. He was only kind to you and good to you if you did the good things and the right things. And so that was my, my framework, I guess, up until my late 20s. And by God's incredible goodness and grace just one Sunday morning, I believe it was my mom's prayers um, and maybe some of her friends' prayers too, but I, I just woke up one Sunday and I thought it was time to get back to church. And there had to be more to life than, working, uh, than, than doing what I was doing. I was at that stage also working in the industry, in the surf industry, had a good job as a national sales manager. And, and so I came back to church, and it was a bit of a roller coaster after that. It was an unbelievable journey. Um, my wife and I met on Alpha. We've, she seduced me on Alpha. Um, LAUGHTER she convinced me to, to court her on Alpha. I'm glad she's not in church this morning. <laughs> no, I definitely married up. Um, so I'm also glad she's still not yet to hear that. But um, so, so we met on Alpha. We fell in love on Alpha. We, we courted for, for nine months. We were married within a year. Uh, we got involved in ministry shortly after that, filled with the Holy Spirit on Alpha weekend, praying in tongues, you, you name it, by God's grace, we did it. I went on a mission trip around the same time. I saw the gospel came alive to me, um, and, and, and I was just brought to tears. And I, some of the, our team Wednesday people heard the test me. I prayed for a little girl in Madagascar on a mission trip, and uh, a little girl that was partially blind, and her eyesight was res- fully restored. And so for me, the gospel just came alive. I was just brought to tears, like, who am I, this little boy, this, like, kid, really? I was a kid in a man's body that was on a mission trip in Madagascar that would— um, see a miracle like that happen. And for me, the gospel came alive and anything was possible. Went on a mission trip into the rainforest, went to villages that hadn't seen white people before. It was unbelievable. Came back on fire for God, got very sold out for ministry, got plugged into church, went around the country, uh, coordinating and facilitating a a ministry called Ancient Paths by an amazing man called Craig Hill from Family Foundations International out of America. It's incredible, incredible old school olam, Jewish teachings of the, the, the incredible times and stages of a child's life to have an impartation of identity and destiny and how important those stages are and how they still acknowledge it today in Jewish culture. Sorry, I speak really quickly. I feel like I could preach for a week. I'm very excited about this message. It's part of my DNA. Um, but, um, and that was an incredible ministry for us to be a part of because in my walk with God, um, I really wanted to be a young dad. Uh, God had a different plan. Uh, I really wanted to be a young dad. I didn't want to get married so late in life. I, I thought 30 was quite old. I'm 43 now, and I remember looking at 43-year-olds back then and going, as that's old. But I, f- I feel 30, and... Um, so, yeah, so that was, that was uh, the history up to then, you know. Um, and and we, we had a really blessed life, next and I. We had an incredible grandparents, a great network of friends, a ch- solid church family out of Harvest Church. It was then George Goulet who passed away to cancer. I hate cancer. And then his son took over the church, and we were the uh, youth leaders in that church at that time. And, um, yeah, let's just take a moment. And then. Um, And we were very involved in the church and leadership in the church. We were, you know, tithing correctly, leading youth ministry. Um, we had a really disciplined life as far as uh, waking up every morning and, and having a quiet time. And my paradigm for God, again, just to paint a context for you, uh, leading into sonship. And what sonship really means is that it was very much a works-based relationship with God. It was very much um, I had to be doing everything and serving and everything and, and performing and being excellent, and then God would be good to us, and I just realized, in hindsight, looking back now, that God was so gracious and good to us through the process of the challenge that Nick and I had to walk through, which I'm going to share with you, um, so, and through that, so as Chris alluded to, we now are five in our family, I've got a beautiful wife and three kids, we weren't always five, for many years, there was just the two of us, and um, we started the process of, of trying to fall pregnant shortly after being married again. I wanted to be a young dad. Um, and Nick's always... Uh, is Barb's here today? I haven't seen her. She's not... Barbara's not here. So Nick's always wanted to be a young... Uh, uh, Nick's told her mom at a very young age she wanted to adopt a little black girl. That was her... Like, she knew. She just knew it in her being that, that she wanted to do that one day. But, you know, in our... In our context of life and, and the plan that we had for our life and almost in our little white suburbia, if you want to call it that, with our white picket fence, we almost wanted to have our natu- biological kids first because that was the normal thing to do. And then when our kids were old enough and they could, like, understand it, then go and adopt because it was a nice thing to do. And, and then and – then, and that was what we were going to do. And so, you know, four or five years into trying to fall pregnant, we realized that, wow, wait um, – really and truly. We hadn't fallen pregnant. At that stage um, I think we had done one IVF and I, if I could just pause there for one moment if you could indulge me just to honor Pete and Jane and my mom sorry and my, da- my dad and, uh, and Bob's and the late Simon Hobday just for their incredible support as grandparents. But Nick and I wouldn't be standing here today if it wasn't for each and every one of them. Their financial support their love, their encouragement, their prayers have been unbelievable in the nine year process of trying to fall pregnant. And I, yeah. And so I just want to honor you guys. Thank you so much. And through that time, I really wrestled with God because I believed God was a good God. But, but I also got told in my life, in growing up in God, that God was in control of everything and you didn't need to worry. And I realized shortly after that, and forgive me, I'm going to leave this with Chris to, to uh, tackle over the next few sermons. <laughs> so good luck, Chris. In my limited theological studying, I realized that God is not in control. That he is sovereign. He is Lord. He is king. He, he rules the earth. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Every knee bows and every tongue confesses his name in every power and principality, and every authority shudders at his name. That's the mention of the name of Jesus. But, but, but God is not a taskmaster. God is not a puppet master. God gives you and our free will to choose what we will do every morning with our circumstances, with our situations, with the life challenges that we face And I believe that if you look to Christ through those challenges you've had in your life or the circumstances or the cards that life has dealt you, that God will turn it for your glory because he's a good God, but he's not in control. My Bible says that the whole world is under the control of the evil one and the dark forces of the rulers of the air. But Jesus Christ died on the cross not to get you an admit card into heaven. He died on the cross so that you could become a son and a daughter that you could realize your identity and destiny in Christ and the authority that God has given you to be a child of God, a son and daughter. So there's more to life than just being saved. There's more to life than what Jesus did on the cross. He did far more than that, than just die for our sins. And that in itself is a magnitude and a universe of thoughts that are too lofty for my mind. But I realized that God was not in control, but that he was so good. And so through many Fast, 40-day fast, 21-day fasts, through many hours and midnight prayers of contending and fighting for my wife for her breakthrough. I don't know if you've ever contended for something, or if you've ever had to fight for something for more than, I don't know, one prayer. But we, we fought for nine years, and uh, the devil didn't win, because God was so good. Sorry, I'm like a blubbering. They really are tears of joy. I promise. Okay, no more. I promise. I promise, no more. Even the glasses are messing up. I turned 40. My wife got me a subscription to Specsavers for free frames and a and lenses because I needed glasses. That's a true story. That was my 40th birthday present. <laughs> so I realized that God is so sovereign and so good, and we have to look to to Him through different lenses because he's just waiting in expectation. He lives in a realm where time doesn't exist, and his yes and amen is for now, even though we had to wait nine years on earth to see the breakthrough. And so God strengthened in our lives those nine years such incredible faith and such tenacity and such dedication to his word and to ministry and to loving people, and um, despite the circumstances. And that's what spoke to me so profoundly in sonship, because then we decided to adopt, and then the rubber really hit the road. and we decided to adopt, and so we, we put our names down and went, got approved, and that process went really quickly. Nick's was, is really good at projects, so we got approved within a matter of weeks, and after like two months, they phoned us, and they said, we believe we found the right girl for you. We had a certain criteria that, they, that it fitted. We knew from prophetic words from incredible people around the world that she was going to be a worshiper and a dancer, and um, so we went to Durban Child Welfare to hear her story and, and how she came to be. And so Zoe was abandoned and left for dead in she was left. She was left on a taxi bench. The owner of the house came home and took her to a police station where she was handed in and named Mpumetnele, which means light. She was then put into the system and went to Shepherd's Keep. And then she went to Entembeletu. We felt very really late to go to Entembeletu, although we were at harvest. Entembeletu Falls Under Grace Church. They do an amazing thing there. They've placed dozens if not hundreds of children all over the world. And so we heard the story and we knew that the devil's plans for her life were to rob and steal from her identity and her destiny and the purposes that God had for her. So when we heard the story about her being born with a cleft palate and that she was probably abandoned because her mother couldn't feed her and she was malnourished, we decided to proceed to adopt her because we knew that God had a purpose and that he's a restorative God. And he's a God of the miraculous. So good. Isn't Jesus so good? So we decided to adopt him. We, we started a two-week process of building a connection with Zoe. Um, Nix and I knew that she was going to be our daughter. She didn't know. She, would, she wasn't clinically diagnosed but she was diagnosed by doctors that look after the kids and from from the mother the house mothers that were there and from many volunteers that would visit her that she she was she was depressed and she had some serious issues in her life she couldn't show emotion she couldn't cry or laugh she wouldn't connect with anyone on on an emotional level even volunteers that would come through and there were there were many volunteers and she wouldn't connect emotionally with any of them and we kept on persevering and praying and fasting for two weeks trying to build a connection with zoe and um it came to a point after two weeks where in we decided that they were going to uh, have a picnic at Botanical Gardens. For all the kids and all the prospective parents, who About I, I couldn't remember, about maybe three or four other couples. And and we, they took the children to, in uh, to Botanical Gardens. It was a great opportunity for us to see Zoe out of the context of her daily routine. And so we took... We met them at Botanical Gardens and had a wonderful two hours just playing with Zoe and spending time with her. And, and we got up to leave. We got up to leave, and Zoe burst into tears for the first time in two weeks. And then I realized that I, that I couldn't take her with me, and I had to leave my daughter behind. And so, Nix and I, were walking away as blabbering idiots, walked away from her. And I said to Nix, I will never, ever leave my daughter again. And so many miracles are around that moment. The leave of absence letter that you have to apply for it normally takes two weeks. Us took two days. We took Zoe home that Friday and our lives have never ever been the same again. And God started to speak to me in hindsight about that situation and about that process. In Zoe's heart, what happened? And it was so profound for me looking back and reflecting and that's why I can reflect on sonship and share with you this morning and be vulnerable with you. It's because... It's exactly the same thing with God and with you and me. You see, when Zoe had a heart connection with us, it's the same thing with God. He's longing for a heart connection with you. He's longing for your heart to cry out, Abba, Father. If we could have that one scripture up, please. The Galatians 4, verse 4 to 7. He's longing for that heart connection. and, And the scripture says, but when the time had fully come, God sent his son. Born of a woman, born under law to redeem those under law. That we might receive the full rights of sons. Because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your, our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir. There is so much profoundness in that scripture. And I just want to dwell there, if you would indulge me for a moment. So the direct translation for that word, right, legal right, is actually a legal right which cannot be revoked. And it's the same thing with God for you. Directly translated in the Greek, it means a legal irrevocable right that you and I get given to be called a child of God. And shortly after adopting Zoe, and also now you know we've got a son Malachi, Zoe Zoe brought us so much joy that after a year and a half, two years, we decided to adopt Malachi. He came home, and he was different to Zoe. He was just an open sponge and just wanted love. And just, he was just a sponge of love. And he's still, to this day, just the most affectionate, loving little boy you will ever meet. He still gives the best hugs and the best loves. And so we got this letter from Home Affairs, and, and I give credit to the child welfare South Africa in South Africa system and Durban Child Welfare we got this letter, and the exact wording is this. It says that it is has been considered unto us as, as if Zoe Hosanna Seppings has been born unto us. So it's, been consider, it's considered to the South African government as if Zoe Hosanna Seppings and Malachi Josiah Seppings has been born unto us. There is no reference to their genealogy, to their history, to their past to the mistakes they made, the fact that they, the, they were born unto law, into sin like each and every one of us. They are a new creation. They have been given a legal right to become children of God. And that for me, if it's so, that's so profound for the our, our, our flawed law, law system in South Africa. If it's that profound, how much more profound for God and his kingdom and his children. And so God started to speak to me about adoption and about the natural order of things and how Jesus had to be born under law, but yet he redeemed us by the Spirit. And the unique thing about natural-born children that that I didn't realize, and what's so profound for adoption compared to a biological child is that, I don't know if you guys know, but when when you have a biological child, praise God that my son came out cute. But if it comes out and it's not looking like you want it to look, or it's just not that cute, you can't put it back. <laughs> like I say to my kids, my next and I say to my kids at mealtime, "You get what you get, and you don't get upset." And it's very different for adoption. Adoption is a choice process. And I so say, I want you, if you could indulge me again, just turn to your neighbour and say, "I am chosen." It's the very same thing for God. Adoption is, a, is God's plan. It's not man's plan. It was God's plan from the foundation of the earth. It was his idea. The scripture says there that he adopts us and gives us, releases a spirit of sonship over us. We're going to read the scripture just now. I'm jumping ahead. And, and he releases a spirit of sonship over you. And by that spirit, your spirit cries out, Abba, Father, Daddy, God. And so through this process, I began to realize in my own life that God wasn't a taskmaster, that God didn't treat me as my sins deserve, that he didn't care that I came to church every single Sunday and tithed exactly 10% of my income, gross or net, who knows. He didn't, he didn't care that I'd been saved for 10 years or, or was in the youth ministry. He wanted my heart, and I realized that he's, he's a God of love and power. And he doesn't treat me as my sins deserve. And he treats me as a son. And I began to realize that, yeah, that, that maybe through those years my heart, my heart had gone cold. And that I'd maybe harden my heart to God through the trials and the tribulations and the challenges that we walk through. And God began to work in my heart, softening my heart to the reality of who he is. And changing my paradigm in my upbringing of, of who really God is and who he's really called us to be. And I, I, I began to hate the devil, and I began to realize that he's a liar and a thief. And the scripture says in John ten ten that the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says that he, he has come, that we may have life and have it in abundance. Amen. I be, I'm glad one of us believe it. And I believe, And I began to realize that the devil has some schemes and strategies, but he's a defeated enemy, because on the cross... Jesus defeated him on the cross. And and the enemy still comes today to lie to us. He still comes to rob from our identity in who we are as sons and daughters of God. Comes to lie from us, to lie to us about our relationship with God, challenging our paradigms, reminding us of our upbringings and the and the and the challenges we have to walk out in our lives, or the, the cards that we've been dealt, or the wrongs that have been done to us, righteous or unrighteous. And how we can sometimes judge God through those paradigms. And I began to realize too that, that God is such an incredibly good God. And that even, uh, even though I wouldn't change one thing through those nine years of what Nix and I had to walk through, God was incredibly, incredibly good. They were an incredibly tough, tough nine years on our marriage, on our relationship, on our finances. On, on our spiritual walk, but God has been so incredibly good to restore to us, and now there's five. And um, I'm going to, just going to script, uh, skip a us No, let's not skip it. Um, there's a lot of scripture. Is that okay? If we could just have up Mark, sorry, Romans eight uh, fourteen to nineteen. Because those who are led by the Spirit of God, of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you receive the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons of God to be revealed. I'm so glad we put that last bit in because it is so profound. And it leads me on to the next part of what I want to speak about. And I mentioned it earlier is that Jesus on the cross didn't just die to get you and I and admit one card into heaven. I began to realize that we we have a plan. God has a plan and a purpose for our lives on earth and a destiny and a calling And it's for you and I to walk in the fullness of who God has created you and I to be. With a full revelation of sonship. Knowing full well that you have been adopted. That you have been called into his family. That you've been given an irrevocable legal right to be called a child of God. And that means that the fullness of Christ and of his inheritance that he has is yours and mine. That doesn't mean we get get a full-time holiday... It's actually a responsibility, and it's a mandate for you and I on earth to love others the way Jesus loved. And so I began to be challenged in my life and what that looks like. I began to listen to guys like Bob Hazlitt and Todd White and some preachers all over the world because I hadn't seen it for myself yet. I saw a glimpse of it in some amazing men that have been a part of my life and some mentors that I I, I started to get in my life. And then I realized that, that Jesus is the perfect model for sonship. He loved intimacy with his father. He craved it. He wasn't the same without it. He needed it every day. He loved spending time with the Father. He knew who he was as a as a son. He knew his identity in Christ. He knew that he was a son. He was unashamed of the gospel. He turned over the the tables of the money changers. He was unashamed of, of who he was and who God called him to be. And most of all, he knew his authority. He spoke, and things changed. Atmospheres changed. Demons flew. People's lives were changed forever. People were fed. And most of all, actually, is that he loved. And for me, that's the greatest challenge of, of sonship. You can't have sonship without relationship. And through relationship, God changes our hearts into a heart of love, from a heart of stone where life has maybe hardened your heart like it did mine into a heart that is soft and workable and plowable in God's hands where he can use it for his glory. And for all us to know the the Father's will, which I, I found recently, I knew it all along, but I found it recently, which is to destroy the devil's works. So if you ever wanted to know what the plan is for your life and what God's will is for your life, I can give you a prophetic word right now. It's to destroy the works of the devil. And so in closing, and then Mark, if we could just have that one scripture up, that Ephesians 2, verse 4 to 10. And before we read that, Holy Spirit's just reminded me. So I alluded to the fact about Zoe's um, cleft palate, and I had a question after the first service. I'd like to share with you that a miraculous story. So God is such a God of miracles. Even though for many years, we didn't see his miracles. We saw so many glimpses of his goodness, and his kindness, and his miraculous power. But, so there's a little, the, the world, uh, I don't know what you would call it, but the world premiere or f- uh, formative head of, of facial reconstructive surgery is a little Scandinavian woman called Dr. Solo, who, by God's incredible grace, decided to do her community service here in South Africa, just as we were about to adopt Zoe. So free of charge, Zoe got the best person in the world to reconstruct her Reconstruct her hard palate at King Albert Luthuli Hospital here in Durban, and um, I don't know if you if you see Zoe today, but she definitely does not have any emotional issues. She definitely knows how to laugh. She's on the choir at her school and can sing. And God's just done such an incredible restorative work. And she since then, um, again, thanks to incredible grandparents, she has had several operations to rebuild her soft palate. She had uh, two years of speech therapy to teach her how to speak again. But it's just an incredible testimony. And I just want to give God all the glory to what he can do with people that are submitted to his plan and purpose and obedient. And uh, how he's just restored Zoe's life. And how she's walking in the plans and purposes that God has created her for. And that I know is for your life too. And so Ephesians, Ephesians 2 verse 4 to 10. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Say I am alive. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourselves, it is from the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So I leave you with a humble challenge as a brother. Of Christ of yours that there are some works for you and I to do and I really pray that this morning spoke to your hearts and if there's any areas of your life that you feel God or the Holy Spirit or whoever you want to call it um, has been speaking to you or putting an unction in your heart into these areas I really would love the opportunity to pray for you right now Chris has graciously given us some freedom for us to be bold and brave enough to come up to the front If you're not that brave and you'd rather me pray for you afterwards, I'd love the opportunity to pray for you. But while your eyes are closed and while Gibbs is praying, I'm just going to go through a few points. And if if God is tugging on your heartstrings in any one of these, I really want to encourage you to come forward to receive prayer. Not from me, but today is like no other day, and I really believe and expectant that God wants to do something significant in your heart. So if this is you, if you've never had a revelation that you are chosen, if you've never had a revelation that you are a son or a daughter, I'd love for you to be able to come up to the front, please. If you've never felt like God is a good God, if you've never felt that you, have if you feel like you've been dealt hard hands and life's been tough to you, undeserved undeserving of what's happened to you i really would love the opportunity to pray for you and speak truth of what god says about you and lastly if you don't feel like a son and a daughter if you don't feel unique and fearfully and wonderfully made i'd love the opportunity to be able to come and pray for you if you could come forward please